Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Amen. Hey, I, w- I want to, even though like I really didn't, didn't know what Pasha was going to talk about, I want to continue on the, on the subject of having this urgency to not just kind of do things and go day by day, but really impact the city and the, the, the p- people around us. So I want to, I wanna, if you have your Bibles, would you open to Luke um, chapter 12, verse 16? Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Um, it, it, Jesus is telling a story about a, a guy who has a lot of things, and yet he decides that he needs more. So he says this, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, right? <laughs> then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have rich relationship with God. So, so we, we have an amazing story here where Jesus is saying to this guy that he's sitting back and he's, he sees the things that he's accomplished. I'm sure that if you lived here for any time, you've met some pretty successful people in Bellevue, especially, right? Lord Kirkland, right? And, and then he sits back and says, well, obviously people here don't farm, but you know, you know the, the moral of the story is that someone has so much, and he's like, well, hmm, I, I, I don't think I have enough to store, like enough storage to store this. I mean, most of us, well, our parents at least, have a garage full of stuff that they don't need. You know what I'm talking about. And they're thinking, should we rent, should we rent a storage space? No, you got to get rid of some stuff. Like, that's what you should be doing. You shouldn't be renting more storage. You should be getting rid of things that you don't need. Uh, I just saw a report just yesterday. You guys know the, the company Blueberry or Blueberry? Uh, the very expensive company that does... Uh... <laughs> I should take a break to recover from that joke. <laughs> I've always thought it's blueberry for some. <laughs> One more time. Burberry. Burberry. I can't even pronounce it. Whatever. Did you guys know they, they actually uh, burned 28 million worth of clothes and perfume? Because if they had to kind of discount that, then the brand would not be as powerful. So, so I'm thinking like you have a whole bunch of people that are starving, and here you have a brand that is based on being the elite and, be, and, and they're wasting $28 million worth of goods. Now, I'm not judging that business. It's, you know, I'm just saying that it's the same idea. Is that, that, hey, I have a whole bunch of goods, but how can, I, how can I get bigger barns, bigger storage spaces so I can put all that stuff in? This idea that you know, what I have is not good enough. I need to some, get something even, even, even bigger. And God is, comes to this guy and says, look, you're a fool because tonight you will die. Tonight you'll die, and, and who's going to have that? Did you know that everything that we have in life right now, we sort of rent? 
the car that you drive, the, the house that you live in, all that stuff, we just rent because no matter how much money you make, when you die, it's going to pass on to somebody else. So, so yeah, you might, might own it for the, for the rest of your life, for this life, but once you die, you're not going to take any of that. I think the most people have taken with them is uh, the guy that wanted to be buried in a Cadillac. Well, that worked out just fine, right? Like, great, you got buried in a Cadillac. I hope, you know, it's comfortable, as if you care. Right, so, so everything, now there is, there is, you know, meaning in leaving a legacy and leaving something for your, you know, kids and so on and so forth. I get that, you know, building a business, building, but what I'm saying is that nothing in this life is really yours. And God is saying to this guy, like, don't you realize tonight you will die? None of the stuff will matter ever again. And I think a lot of times we kind of, you know, we, we know these things about God. We know the powerful things that God has called us to, but we get so easily distracted by the things that we can feel, we can touch, we can, we can think about, and things that we can work for, and, oh, that's a, a nice, shiny thing, and so on and so forth. That we neglect what's more important, and that is our faith. Now, the Bible says that salvation comes by what? By grace, and it comes through what? Faith. So who provides, or what provides salvation? Grace. Who gives you the gift? Is God in his grace that gives you the gift. What, what does it come through? It comes through faith. So faith is the car, the, the truck, uh, the vehicle by which your salvation comes. Does that make sense? So if you, fa- if you have a faulty truck, a faulty vehicle, then a faulty faith is what I'm saying, then salvation cannot be delivered to you. Okay? I remember one time I, uh, you know, man, if you live in the Russian community, you just buy your cars from auctions too. You know, just, I'm just going to point, point that out. And, and, and I fixed this car. It was a 19, uh, 19, uh, 2009 Altima Coupe. And, and I fixed this car, and the only thing that I could not seem to fix right, is, is this thing on the dashboard that said ABS, right? And I'm just thinking, like, just put a tape on it. <laughs> just keeps on bothering me. I just can't figure it out, right? And I remember driving that car, and we were going to Seaside, and we decided, decided to stop by a G4T, and, 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 you know, Edward was with me, actually, um, and we took the wrong exit, and it, uh, no, actually, I kept on going, and he says, hey, you missed the exit. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll just take the next one. So I knew how to get to G4T this way, but when I took the exit, we were supposed to come a, a different way. And I got on what I thought it was a high, uh, freeway, but it was actually a highway with a traffic light. So as I'm going, like, you know, full speed, 60 miles an hour, I come around the corner, and I look down on my phone for, what's it called, for directions, right? Because I'm following directions, and just one glimpse my phone to look for directions, and I hear Edward just yelling, and I look in front of me, and there's this SUV, and we just kind of slam full force onto this SUV. And this lady, you know, and later I found out that was the lady that's driving, she just takes off. And I'm thinking, like, I hate you. Like, you're the victim. Like, why do you run? Right? And, like, we, we hit her, and we flew into a ditch, right? And then, you know, like, we got, got out, um, Thankfully, the airbags didn't work either, so. <laughs> so we flew into a ditch, and like we're, we're, we're sitting there, like we're just shaking, my, my car is just like totaled, the whole front is just, you know, and then there's like pieces of my car all over the freeway, 
and cars are driving over it. And I'm just kind of like in the shock, like what just happened? Right? So, so as I'm thinking like, and this lady and somebody chased her down, apparently like finally the, the cops caught up with her and all that. And it was just sort of a mess. And I was just thinking about like, how did that happen? Because when, when things get, when, when that happened, happened really quickly. And if you know anything about me, I just don't like surprises. And this was not a good surprise. Like, I don't, I don't like when people surprise me. I had a friend of mine, um, well, my roommate, and he would go to, uh, I would go to work at 4 a.m. He'd come home at 4 a.m. from his work. And every single time we met, sort of like, it was kind of like a given about the same time we met in the hallway. And he always, because, you know, he just came from work, so he was all, you know, kind of like lively, and I just woke up. So every single time he'd be like, he, he'd just carry me, you know? And, and I got so mad at it, and I was just like, this is not funny, stop. Like, you know, every single time when, when I, and then one moment I was just like, dude, if you do this one more time, like, and, and I, I just don't like that. And I think the reason I don't like surprises is because it messes up with my plans, right? It's something unexpected. You were hoping for one thing and you got a whole thing different. And if you know anything about me, I kind of like being in control. And if you don't like being in control, then you're lying because you're, you know, I'm just saying, like, we like to be in control. When somebody comes and throws a wrench in those plans, it, it just annoys us. And not only that, we get mad, like, especially if it's not a good surprise. And here I'm thinking I'm going to go to Seaside, and here I'm sitting on the side of the highway. My car is not really driving. I hope, like, I'm trying to move it, but it's really hard to move. Right, so I'm thinking like, okay, how do I tow this? You know, am I gonna make it to service? You know, obviously I'm not going to seaside, seaside anymore, and my my friends are there, so I have people to see and things to do. Right, right, like so. So when this happens, it's not pleasant. But the good news is that I had an insurance policy. You know, and I just call my insurance. My agents was like, hey man, you're covered. You're you know have full coverage, and I had at least that that at least it's not going to cost me anything because I have, you know, other than deductible, which I still think it's a ripoff. But <laughs> when it comes to this, right, I just, my whole day was ruined. We got stuck in Portland for like a day, and then our friends came back from Seaside. They picked us up. We came home. My car went to auction. But I remember sitting on the side of the freeway, and I'm thinking, how did this happen? And then I walk, and I see about 85 feet of skid marks. Now, if you know anything about cars, like, you should be able to stop. Especially, I slim, that means that I slam my brakes about 85 feet before I hit, you know, the lady. But I felt like I was going full speed, like, my car is just... And I'm like, how did that happen? Because you should be, be able to stop in that distance. But I didn't. And I was so surprised by it. I'm like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. Why is there all these skid marks that are so long and somehow we still like hit that SUV full force? But maybe it wasn't so unexpected. Because you see, I remember before looking at that light, the ABS light on my dashboard, I'm thinking like, what's the big deal? What could possibly go wrong? And then I remember this one other particular time as I was driving and I was coming off the freeway and it was kind of like rainy and I, I, I hit my brakes and my car just skidded. And I was like, that's kind of fun actually, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> so there were signs that my, so, so if you don't know what ABS stands for, is, is, it's basically a system that assists the brakes. So instead of applying all the brakes at one time and locking in your wheels, you know, when you slide, he actually pulsates the brakes and it makes you stop way earlier than before. So it's a really good system that was invented, but mine 
I know now that it wasn't working. So I had these, these warning signs all the time. I, I saw the light, and I ignored it. I saw this one time that I, I'm skidding off the freeway, and nothing happened. I was just like, oh, that's kind of fun, right? And, but, but here I'm not thinking that this, when I need this ABS system to work, it better be working. And the moment that I needed this to work, it didn't. And that's how I ended up. Now, I also know that my t- tires are, were just completely kind of bald. And who wants to spend money on tires? Unless you really want to like, upgrade your car. But they look the same. So it's like spending $400 on tires, they, the car is still going to look the same. I just don't see the point of that. Well, but there is a point to it. Because they make you stop way earlier if they're not bald. We're bald. There you go. You see what I'm saying? These were signs all along, but I ignored them. And because I ignored them, when I, when I hoped to stop, when I needed it to work, it didn't. And I think a lot of times when it comes to faith, we do the same exact things. There are early signs that show that your faith is, is useless. There are times where you realize that, hey, the way you blew up on that person is not exactly how the Bible says you should handle an argument. You, you, see, you start seeing early signs everywhere, but you just sort of ignore them. And when you need your, your faith to work, it doesn't. And, and I remember just watching this, this trial of this guy that, he's a Russian guy, about two and a half years ago, maybe you guys remember him, he actually took a, like a gun and went to Makotio to a party and just gunned down three people. His name is Alan Ivanov, and I remember watching his sentencing, and he got three life sentences plus two attempted murders, which is another sentencing, so he'll never get out of prison. And I remember him sitting before the judge and saying, I can never undo what I've done. I've taken the most precious gift from all these family, and that is life, and I can never make it up. But I'm gonna, I want to spend my life in prison to, 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 to make restitution for where I can. But I want to mention this, that on that night, when I gunned down everyone, Satan was on full display. I was not in control of my emotions. I was not in control of my emotions. So my question is, is that when you are chilling, Netflixing chilling with, with that you know, girl or guy where you're not supposed to, is your faith strong enough to keep you from sliding all the way? When anger gets the best out of you, is your faith strong enough to hold you back? from doing something really, really stupid. And I know people who walk around like, I'll never do that. I'm a Christian. I would never do that. Yeah, given the right circumstances, I don't know. You're not powerful enough to stop yourself. I don't trust myself. That's why I trust Jesus. A lot of people are like, well, Slavik, you know, well, well, don't you think you have enough discipline? And I'm thinking like, if I look at myself, I just see failure. That's why I looked onto Christ because he's my strength. It's not me. So my question to you today is this, is is your faith strong enough to hold you back? And most important of all, is your faith good enough and strong enough to deliver you into eternity? And this is what I want to camp on tonight here, is this, is is the faith that you have going to lead to your salvation? Because you see, Stopping you, these are things that happen. And there, there's a way, like when I was skidding off the freeway, right? Um, I didn't hit anyone, but it was an early sign that something's not right with my car. So, so these little things, maybe 
outburst of anger or, you know, you're just really selfish or all these things. And you know or you're partying up a storm like every, every single Saturday and come to church on Sunday, right? Like, like these things should tell you something, that there's something not right with you, with the Lord. Don't ignore them. Because there could be a day that there's no recovering from that. There could be a day that the faith that you thought you had is not really... That's why I drive an SUV now. <laughs> it's old, but whatever. Like, they made strong cars back then. So if I get into another car crash, I'm just saying, like, you know, the modern days, I don't trust them cars. <laughs> I don't trust them anymore, right? Like, why? Because of that. Because, like, six months after I was... After that accident, every single time I turned where I would do anything, I would get so paranoid because I thought someone's going to hit me again or I'm going to hit someone. Is your faith strong enough? Thing is, is that if you walked out of, out of this place and you got hit by a bus, are you saved? Because if you're not sure right now, you should probably not walk out, out of this place without being sure about this. We're not, again, how many times do I say this? Like, we're not, we're not really selling tractors here. We're dealing with people's lives. These things have consequences, and they're, they're consequences that we don't recover from. I, I remember preaching something along the lines of this, and then, you know, a year to, to an audience just like you, and then when, a year later, one of the guys went missing, and we still don't know if he, he's alive or not. I remember preaching this message even before that, like, not exactly the same message, but on the same subject, and then somebody in our youth ministry committed suicide. You know, and a lot of times I'm just kind of thinking like, Lord, like, are we, are we just sort of doing this because our parents do it? Or is it just some kind of social club? This is bigger than all of that. Is our faith enough to deliver us? Um, I, I, <laughs> I came across this amazing kind of like quote. <laughs> so, so if you walk through the cemetery, people have usually epitaphs on their, on their, on their um, stone and usually some kind of saying, right, you know, what they lived for. And one of the sayings said this, Remember, friend, as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, you will surely be. Prepare thyself and follow me. Right? So somebody <laughs> took something and actually um, scratched right next to it this line. To follow you, I won't be content until I know which way you went. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'm just thinking, like, this is good. He's like, I know I'm going there, but I'm not following you until I know what's after this, until I know which way you went. Because this is important, if you haven't noticed, right? But so, so, so then the question becomes, okay, why is this so, like, why is it so hard for us to to, to pursue the things that God has called us to, right? Like, why is it so hard? And, and I, I know that one of the reasons it's so hard is because what we have about God, we cannot deny because we know it's true, but then we get so distracted by everything that's in front of us. Augustine put it this way. He, he wrote this amazing quote. He, he says this, that the soul is torn apart in a painful condition as long as it prefers the eternal because of its truth, but the, does not discard the temporal because of its familiarity. So what he's saying is that we know that God is is truth. We know of the gospel. We know of all these things. But the reason it's so hard for us to discard the day-to-day things, right, 
is because they insist upon us paying their, them attention. You have an appointment. Uh, some people say this is called the tyranny of the moment. So, so the moment that you're going through right now commands your attention. You have to get that paper done. You have to go and respond to that text message and that phone call. You have to pick up your little brother or your little sister from practice. And every single day you're going, and what happens is you have all these things that you have to do that you get so distracted that you don't think about the bigger things. So what the enemy does instead, if he knows, he, if he cannot keep you from being godly, he'll keep you busy. He'll fill your time with things that they have to be addressed right now. You have to make sure that you call your boss and call in. And you have to make sure that you meet up with your, you know, your significant other. And you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this. And, and you never pause to say, how is my relationship with the Lord? How, how is my prayer life? How is my Bible intake? How, how, how do I eat spiritually? Because the moment right now condem- like basically condemns or it, it rules the moment. And you have to pay attention. You have to give your attention all of it to this moment right now. We have to steer away from that because I look at myself and I'm looking. I'm like, man, how, where did all these years go? Like, I remember yesterday I was 16. Definitely wasn't yesterday. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, all this time, and I'm thinking, like, that's, like that I doubled like, where this time went? And I remember specifically, like, one of my friends actually had a, um, a motorcycle accident, and they had to amputate his leg like, from, like, knee below. And I remember I would spend every single night with him, in the, with him in the hospital for about, like, six or seven days. It was actually, like, six, I think. Um, so they cut his leg off, so he was in a lot of pain. So I'd, I'd sit with him throughout the night and make sure that, you know, he's on morphine and, like, make sure that if he needs something that I'll do that. I remember this one particular night, like, I could not fall asleep because there's somebody, like, on the other room. And, and you know how when somebody cries, but it's not just a cry, it's, it's so, like, painful, it's, it's like a groan where you know that they're dying. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just covering my ears. I'm trying to fall asleep because I have to wake up at 4 4 for work. And, and, like, by this time, my friend was sleeping, but this cry would just not let me go to sleep. And I'm like, okay, I've had enough. I, I got to go and check it out. What's happening in the other room? Because this is just weird. So I walk out, and, and, and as I'm walking by this room, right, you know, I'm trying not, not to stare in, but I'm really, like, I'm really trying to figure out what's, what's happening. And I see this picture of this grandma that's all wrinkled up. She's literally maybe four, nine, right? Like really short grandma. She's sitting on this bed and she's obviously in a lot of pain and she's holding it, which I think it was her son's hand, right? And her, her son is just kind of looking down on her and she's in so much agony, but she's all wrinkled up. She probably was about 82 or 83. And as I'm sitting there, like I could not move. And I'm, I knew I was thinking like, you're staring, like you should probably be move along. But I was just like, so like just sort of arrested by the moment. And this is when God, the Lord spoke to me in that moment, in that very moment and said, you see, she thought she was young once too. And all that time went by and she no longer has her strength. So it's like one day you'll be the same. Don't think that you're all out on the bag of chips, right? Like, don't think that just because you're young, this was about seven years ago, right? Like, don't think just because you're young, you're not going to get to this point too. She thought the same thing. Well, needless to say, I didn't sleep the whole night. I was just thinking about this and, and I woke up in the morning. I went to, to work, came back and I was just like, really wanted to see what, what happened to my grandma because 
And I walk him there, and everything's folded, and she's gone. I don't know what happened, if she died or if she didn't die. I'm not sure. But I remember thinking this, this, this thing that, like, every single year is just so ingrained into my memory of God saying that just because you're young now and you think you have all that, don't think your life will slip away really quickly. And I see a lot of young people, they come to the Lord and they're like, well, one day I'm going to serve him. It's like, imagine if you went on a date and you got some flowers that are like all dried up. I'm like, <laughs> I got you. Right? Like, what? And I feel like a lot of times with the Lord, we do the same thing, right? Like where we come to him and it's like, whatever's left of you, you have arthritis and you're barely moving. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm ready right now, anytime, right? Like, <laughs> right? like to move in me. Right? Like, I'm thinking, no, I think the best time to serve is when you're young. To give everything that you have right now, when you have your strength and you have your good looks, because all of that, gravity is going to take a hold on you like nothing else, right? Like, all that is going to fade. So, serve now while you can. Impact the world around you while you can. It matters. When I look at people around us and, like, they get so distracted by, you know, by the things to get my, my latest degree and my latest. Well, I've yet to see someone on their deathbed saying, could you just please bring my degrees one more time? I just got to take a look at them, right? Like, or bring my Corvette. I just need to see my Corvette. Like, can I, nobody does that on their deathbed. On their deathbed, the only thing they're going to worry about, the two things they're going to worry about is what kind of legacy they left. What was their life about? And what what kind of eternity they're facing? Okay, what's now? This is the only things that will matter. And the question that becomes, okay, if these are the only two things that matter, then why do we spend so much time in things that are so reckless and so, like, there's no point to them. Watching movies four times that you don't even like. Right? Like, or, you know, just wasting time that, like, you don't have. The one thing that you'll never get back is your time. And you'll go and you, you, you'll do anything for, for a dollar or for to get the latest things on your car, well, whatever it is, right? Like, but it's like you don't need that because it loses its luster in the moment you got it. Invest in things that, that will outlast your life if you want your life to matter beyond that. None of the things that are temporary. That's the urgency that we have to have. And if God is for people, if God is interested in people, if you want God to care about your life, which he already does, but if you want to take a special interest in your life, then you're going to have to care about what he cares about. If you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things and to heal and all that, God is not just doing that just like, oh, wow, you're a prophet and you can preach. Wow, you can do all these things, but you don't do any of those things. You just sort of like walk around like I'm the prophet and I'm the pastor, but you don't actually pastor any people. What's the point of God equipping you if you're not going to be doing the work? What's the point of... And so, so when I see a lot of people like constantly asking, like, I just want to do God's will. I, like, are you? Because you're not consistent in coming to church. You're not consistent in coming to prayer. And, and I see this all the time, especially in our church, right? Like people like Slavic, you know what? I'd go to your church, bro, but I just don't think you guys are spiritual. Like literally, that's what they're saying. Maybe not in those kind of words and terms, but they're like, well, you just didn't seem like you guys pray enough. And I'm like, why are you at nine o'clock every single Sunday morning when we pray for an hour for service? Well, well, well so he's just saying, I mean, I don't know. Like, I like church, but like, I need to be inspired. Okay, if you need to inspire, don't you think you should inspire other people too? I just need to be encouraged. Well, what about you? Are you encouraging other people? I didn't plan to mention this, but if you look in Israel, there's two seas. There's the Dead Sea, and then there's um, 
the Sea of Galilee. One of them is just dead. Doesn't obviously, right? Like there's nothing in there, and one of them's full of fish. You know what the difference is? One of them, the death, um, the the Dead Sea, it has the same water that supplies the Sea of Galilee, but Sea of Galilee. The only difference between the Sea of Galilee and the um, Dead Sea. <laughs> is that Dead Sea keeps all the water, the Sea of Galilee gives it out. So, so if you want to be a dead Christian, take everything that God gives you and just keep it in. You're going to start stinking really soon. You, you need to start pouring. God needs to be poured through you. Why, is God, why does God need to fill you? Because you need to be pouring into other people. Not because, you know, oh, I just need to walk around people to know that I, I'm the guy and I'm the, you know, the lady that knows all things. I don't want to rent on this, but you guys get the point. We have to make, you know, the best that we have. Jesus says this, 1624, uh, Matthew 1624. You don't have to open there for lack of time. I'm, I'm coming to a close very soon. So um, Matthew 1624 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way, your own way. Take up the cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my own sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now a lot of people are like, well, see, Jesus is not coming. What Jesus is talking about here is his kingdom coming on earth. And he says, you will experience that. I came to invade this, this earth that it was under the rule of the, 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 the prince of, you know, of death. And I came with my kingdom. And are you going to partner up with me right now to reach this world, to see people changed and transformed? And I've mentioned this so many times before. You, as, as you grow up, you only, like, you have your lifetime to reach these people. We only have one generation to reach this, this generation. God did not call you to people that lived a thousand years before you, and God's not calling you to live to people, uh, to, to minister to people a thousand years from now, unless you're a writer or so on and so forth. But right now, in this moment, God is calling you to your city. God is calling you to your job. God is calling you to your church. God is calling you to your friends. God is calling you to all these environments that God, God has put you in. And the question is, is, are you going to take advantage of that opportunity and say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm fully on board. Because this is the, the difference between being fully on board and not. If you went to a, a roller coaster, right, and you're trying to ride it, imagine if you decided, oh, I'm just going to put one foot in and one foot out because I'm not fully committed. I'm not sure exactly how this is going to go. Well, I know how it's going to go. You're going to, you're going to be dead. You either get in, right, like you get in and you enjoy the ride, or you get out. You, you can't be on one, you know, one foot, or you're going to put it here, and then one foot out. And I think in Christianity, we, we got so accustomed to doing that, that it, it became sort of normal. Are you in or are you out? Because if you're in the middle, you're going to get killed, period. You're not fully committed there or there. So, so, so where are you right now? Because when I look at these stars, and I've mentioned this before, but when I see like they, they roast Justin Bieber or whatever, and they would say stuff like, well, you know, Martha Seward or, you know, whatever the other celebrities, they have been, right? Where they were famous and they're no longer famous now. So they're, they're a has-been, right? And I'm thinking like, wow, you spend all your life to pursue this, right? And you, they, they really dedicate themselves. And then, you know, when the spotlight lives, um, leaves, sorry, they get so, you know, 
mesmerized by it and they're so attached to it, they'll do anything to get the spotlight back on. Like Madonna kissing someone on stage. Like, Madonna, you're like 60. Nobody wants to see that. Like, no offense, but like, you're not that attractive anymore, like, in that sense. Like, don't, you shouldn't be doing that. But so desperate to get that attention back. So if you think you're going to do that for, there's always going to be someone that's better at business than you. There's always going to be somebody that's better, better looking and all that. So if you think that, that this is, and this is what Jesus means, that you're going to have to die to your passions, you're going to have to crucify your desires and all that, and come and follow after me, because when you truly give up all that, you, you really know what life is all about, and that is about the eternal things. You don't, you don't get to live once, you get to die once, and then you have eternity. So we live forever. It's not just... You know, and this idea that we, we, we bought onto because the culture makes it, right? Like the, this idea that like, oh, just, bro, just enjoy the time. Go travel. Go do this and that and that. Like, I know they're saying that that might not be bad. It's just when your life is all about that, when you skip the things that God has called you to do for these other things, that's a warning sign. Your heart's not there. You can put the tapes on the dashboard and everything looks clean. But at the end of the day, there's, there's something in there that says, your faith is not what you think it is. You might have a slip up from time to time, right? And, and you're like, ah, that's fine, and you ignore it. But you know your faith is not what you think it is, right? And then you get into a full-blown accident, and then you wonder, how did you get there? Well, those 85 you know, skid marks, the 85 feet of skid marks should be an indicator that your brakes didn't work. So, so my question to you again is, what kind of faith do you have? Um, and I want to call right now to, towards prayer. And again, if I were to stop right here, this would be a very depressing message. The good news is that regardless how much we've messed up, we have an insurance policy. Yeah. The good news is that even if you got into an accident, we have a Savior that came to save you. And as long as you're alive, He came to cover and restore and pay for the damages. The good news is that we are not defeated by death anymore. First Corinthians 15.54 says this, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives, uh, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gave us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what they're saying here is that death no longer has its sting. Well, what made death powerful is that when we bit into sin, you know, Romans, when it talks about the wages of sin is death, and when he bit into sin, you're destined to die. But because Jesus has conquered death, when Jesus has conquered death, we no longer have to be bound by that. We know who's going to let us out, is what I'm saying. He has defeated death, and now when we are in him, we are covered. This is the, the, the good news of, of the gospel. Um, John eleven twenty five says this, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. 
And then final one that I want to read is Revelation 12, 11 says this, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And they did not love their lives as much that they were afraid to die. So the first scripture here is talking about how Jesus, because he lives, we get to live also. Apostle Paul says if you don't, if Jesus did not resurrect, all this is useless. Might as well leave right now and and don't come back because this is useless if Jesus didn't resurrect. But in fact, he did. And because of that, because he lives, we get to live again. That's why you don't have to catalog all your life on Instagram and tell them how wonderful your life is. You don't have to show people that you're perfect. You don't have to do any of those things. Because what matters more is not to put this idea that your life is perfect, but to really encounter him and say, there's life after death. I know where I'm going. I know who my Savior is. I know who I am in Christ. I'm a victor because he's a, he, he, he won the victory for me. I'm, I'm righteous because of his righteousness. I am healed and I'm restored because he, will, he took the punishment of sin completely. That is the good news of the gospel. And Jesus, he himself said that if you, if you are in me, if you abide in me, you get to share in my glory. There's one verse that I love so much that says, you know, that we get to share in his glory, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Which is kind of crazy to think about it. I thought God is all about all the glory given to him, which he is. But he says, if you are born into my family, you get to share in this glory. Just like if you're adopted in a very rich household, you'll get to use the same utensils. You'll get to be part of the same house. Does that make sense? So, so when you're adopted into the family of God, you get to experience, you get to be at the same table as God. That is the hope that we have. This is what we preach. This is why we do here. Uh, this is what we do here. This is why we come here. Now, I, I, can't, I, I can't do this on my own. Now, I know that God always looks for one man and he can rise up. He, all, he had 11 that he left the whole gospel in the hands of. But imagine if every single one of us decided that, hey, from now on, I'm fully in. So I don't know where you find yourself right now. Like, this is not a message for me to judge you and show you all your faults. I think the enemy does that pretty good job of that to remind you how horrible we all are. The good news is that we have a savior that's so much bigger. And if the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.